Oh my goodness. What a Big 12 championship game. I'm Pete Mundo on HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Can you beat that? Kansas State beating TCU 31-28 in overtime. We are on Facebook Live. We are on Instagram Live. Of course, this will be up on YouTube. Subscribe to that YouTube page now. And of course, on the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. I literally said, and I'm laughing right now, and first off, congratulations to Kansas State. Congratulations all. I'm sitting here having one of my Bud Lights, got the Heartland College Sports koozie that you can only get by leaving a rating and review on the podcast and sending me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's how you get one of these great Heartland College Sports koozies that I'm flashing right now on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm laughing because I literally said in the preview show, I said, you know, last year's game was epic between Oklahoma State and Baylor. This is going to be a really good game, K-State-TCU, but there's no way it tops that game. It just can't. You can't top a game where Baylor wins the game on the one-yard line, stopping Oklahoma State. You just can't do it. Well, this game topped it. Two years in a row, the Big 12 championship game is the best conference championship game of the year. Hands down, not even close. I don't have to see any of the other games to know that. Maybe because playing one versus two is actually the best way to determine, first off, who your best team is on top of that, at least for that day. And also it creates the most drama in that moment. My goodness, what a game. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Thank you all for joining us here on the show as we get this thing going. So this game came down to a couple of things for me. First off, Two key turnovers. Let's talk about that. Two key turnovers in this game that just absolutely changed the way this game played out. In the first half, you may not think this, but I believe it. In the first half, Quinton Johnson caught a ball from Max Duggan down to the 30-yard line-ish of uh, Kansas State. At that point, TCU was trailing 14-7 to in the game. And uh, Quinton Johnson fumbled it, and Kansas State got the ball back. Now, K-State at that moment, had a three and out. So you might think, well, what's the big deal? It created a three and out, wasn't a big deal. TCU would have had momentum coming off of that big play. It was the first play of the drive. They would have been deep into K-State territory, might have got at least three points on the board. They were already basically in field goal range, and Johnson fumbled the ball. And then, of course, the other huge turnover that ultimately played a massive factor in this game was uh, TCU down at the eight-yard line, first play of the fourth quarter, And what happens? Max Duggan throws an interception, and uh, Kansas State, and by the way, it was a great interception by Julius Brents, and Kansas State takes it down the field, six plays for 80 yards, scores a touchdown in the fourth quarter. At that point, goes up 28-17. Now, I know TCU, of course, comes back to tie the game, but still, those two turnovers and K-State winning the turnover battle played an enormous role in this game because TCU actually outgained Kansas State. When you look at the uh, the stats in this game, they actually did outgain uh, Kansas State by, you know, a, a fairly decent margin, 469 to 404. But those kinds of plays, those turnovers for a Kansas State team, for a TCU team, excuse me, that had been incredibly, incredibly 
safe with the ball all season long made a difference. There's no doubt about it. So I think about those turnovers and the difference that they made in this game. But I also um, think about the fact that Kansas State was down early 7-0, and it was all TCU early on. Kansas State punts, TCU comes out, scores a touchdown, and then right after that, three and out for Kansas State. And at that point, you got a situation where TCU is taking the ball down the field. They miss a field goal. And that fell early on like it allowed Kansas State to settle in. They go on to score a touchdown. They tie it up at seven. Of course, they take the lead a couple of drives later, go into halftime with a 14-10 lead. And while the fourth quarter, especially late in the fourth quarter, was all TCU, I looked at this game and I said to myself, you know what, all things being considered, all things being considered, uh, Kansas State played itself a heck of a football game. Congratulations to Chris Kleiman and these guys. And I'll tell you what, too. Chris Kleiman is officially out of the shadows of Bill Snyder. What Chris Kleiman did here in year four, after going eight and five, four and six, and eight and five, what Chris Kleiman did here in year four, winning 10 games, winning a Big 12 championship, going to a Sugar Bowl, proves that Gene Taylor was so right about this hire. Because when you're replacing a legend like Bill Snyder, it's very difficult to do. You need the perfect guy to replace a legend. And Chris Kleiman proved to be that perfect guy. It can't be the hotshot coordinator who's trying to make a name for himself. It needs to be an established veteran who has won national championships like Chris Kleiman had at North Dakota State and was confident in himself that he wasn't trying to replace a legend. And that's exactly who Chris Kleiman was. I know a lot of fans questioned it. Not a lot, but some fans questioned it. And they thought, is this really the guy? He hasn't even coached at the Power 5 level. First off, Chris Kleiman has proven that coaching football is coaching football. Whether it's high school, Division three, Division two, FCS, or FBS. Coaching football is coaching football. And Chris Kleiman was never looking over his shoulder throughout any of these last four years. He was building a program. He was reestablishing a program. And he was making sure that this program was being built the right way. And now it's paid off with a Big 12 championship victory. And Gene Taylor has been proven right. Obviously, Chris Kleiman has been proven right in what he has done and how he has built this team. And, I mean, hats off. I'm not wearing one. Hats off. Cheers. I can do that. I can cheers with my Heartland College sports koozie and my drink here, which I need a sip of right now because it's been a wild day. So hang tight. Cheers to Chris Kleiman, to Gene Taylor, to Kansas State, and, of course, everybody um, in K-State Nation. My goodness, what a game and what a win for the Wildcats. So that was my biggest takeaway because usually it's very difficult to be the guy to replace the guy. You oftentimes want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the guy. But Chris Kleiman and Gene Taylor proved that you can replace a legend if you do it the right way, with the right personnel, and the right people. And that is what has been so fun and so impressive to watch for this Kansas State Wildcats team. And they got it done in overtime. Heck, don't overlook Adrian Martinez in this game. The guy they sent out, Adrian Martinez, for overtime. As a captain, he called Tails. Tails won. 
Kansas State obviously deferred. Uh, TCU had the ball first, and TCU did not score. Kansas State comes down, kicks the game-winning field goal. Now do we want to talk about overtime? You know, before we get to overtime, let's talk about the fourth quarter. Let's talk about the fourth quarter. TCU comes back um, from down 28-17 to tie the game. TCU kicks the field goal with a few minutes left. Some people questioned that. I was mostly okay with that. Mostly okay with that. But then, of course, the epic drive. The epic drive where Kansas State takes the ball 80 yards on eight plays in three minutes. Max Duggan had multiple rushes, the 15-yarder to start the drive. Of course, uh, there, was the, there was the huge, huge, I mean, how many yards was that? On the big drive down the left sideline, 40-yard rush down to the Kansas State 8-yard line. And then, of course, Duggan runs it in from 8 yards out for the touchdown and then converts the two-point conversion with his arm through the air. And I thought that was Max Duggan's Heisman moment. I mean, he had his teammates wanting to jump on him, and he literally could not breathe. Max Duggan could not breathe. He's telling his teammates to stay away because he literally could not breathe because he was so winded from that drive where he was using his legs so efficiently and so effectively. Like, that had Heisman moment written all over it. It was an incredible finish to regulation for the TCU Horn Frogs, who obviously had made a living this season coming back in the second half of games. That's how impressive that was. And I'm literally watching this because, remember, Caleb Williams and USC lost on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship game. Max Duggan, that was the moment. If TCU had won the game, you say to yourself, that's it right there. That's the moment he wins the Heisman. That's the viral, you know, don't jump on me, guys. I literally can't celebrate. I'm so winded. Heisman moment that voters love. That Heisman voters eat up. That they embrace. But then, of course, they lost the game. So Caleb Williams is still probably the favorite. Now, fast forward to overtime. TCU's got the ball. And uh, they've got a third and goal from about the half-yard line. Duggan clearly was not in on the second down. The second down, he carries the ball to about the half-yard line. He was not in the end zone there. The Big 12 officials reviewed it, made the right call. It probably should have been a little bit closer than it was. But, you know, it's inside the one-yard line. They hand the ball off to Kendra Miller. He gets stopped. Fourth and goal. Do you kick the field goal? Do you go for it? I'm okay going for it. I have no problem going for it there. But with that being said, you've got a guy who is a play away from possibly winning the Heisman. You've got a guy who has carried this team all season, a veteran leader at quarterback. You have got a guy who is the reason you are sitting here in overtime right now. And on two plays at the goal line, that guy doesn't get a chance to possibly win you the game. How does Garrett Riley do that? How does Sonny Dykes do that? Now, Sonny Dykes has done an amazing job this season. I cannot really critique anything about Sonny Dykes except for those two plays. Those two plays in overtime with the Big 12 championship on the line, and you do not let your Heisman contender give you a chance to win. How do, you, how do you do that if you're Sonny Dykes? 
Now, it must be something in the Riley blood because same thing with Lincoln. I'm thinking back to the overtime game, what, college football playoff against Georgia. You take the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, it seems like, late in that game. I don't know if it runs in the blood or what, but holy cow, the Riley family apparently makes a living, makes a living making these kind of mistakes in the biggest spots. Sonny's got to say, hey, no, 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 Max is doing something here, whether it's Kendra Miller pushing, right? The old Bush push, pushing, which you can now do, uh, pushing Max Duggan on a QB sneak, whether it's an end around, whether it's a fake handoff, Duggan getting the edge, whether it's, you know, throwing the ball, if you got something you feel good about, you have to let Max Duggan try to make you a play. Now, I heard Sonny Dykes after the game because we had our guys, Matthew Postens and Derek Duke, who you should both find on, on Twitter doing great work at the Big 12 Championship game. Full disclosure, it's uh, my daughter's fourth birthday today. Well, technically it's Tuesday, but today was her birthday party with her friends. Don't worry, it was in the morning. I didn't miss a snap of the game. <laughs> I, I, it, you know, the parents out there can appreciate that. I said, honey, you want to do a party today, Saturday before her birthday? That's fine. Uh, 9 a.m. to 11, kickoff at 11.05. Okay, fine. It went great. For those of you wondering, I know you're all wondering about that, um, but they did a great job covering the game for us. So I, you look at that and you say to yourself, how do you not give the guy a shot? How do you not give Max Duggan a chance in that moment if you're not going to kick the field goal? He's got to be given an opportunity. The guy's your heart and soul. He's the reason you're an OT. And you just, oh my goodness, that's going to just irk TCU fans, and it should irk TCU fans. That's not Monday morning quarterbacking at all. That is not Monday morning quarterbacking. That is sitting there watching the game and saying, how does my guy Max Duggan, who literally put this team on his back, carry this team on his shoulders, how does he not get an opportunity there on third or fourth down? I can hear from Sonny Dykes all day saying, well, Kendra's been great for us in that spot. Kendra's done a really good job for us in that spot. Come on, man. You know what this situation was all about. You knew what was on the line. You knew how this game had gone up until that point. I mean, Max Duggan was your leading rusher. Kendra Miller was not having a great game. I mean, he had a touchdown run. He had 17 carries for 80-some-odd yards. But he, he, was, he was not the reason with all due respect, and Kendra Miller, to me, is one of the best two players at running back in the Big 12 this season. Um, he was not the reason you were sitting there in OT in that game. He just wasn't. And any person paying attention knew that. So that is very reasonable and very fair to second guess. It is um, got to be painful for TCU fans with that being how the, how the you know, at least Big 12 part of the season ended. Because, my goodness, uh, you're going to be shaking your head at that one for a long time to come. As, as understandably, uh, many, case, uh, many TCU fans are going to be. And then, of course, K-State at that point, you know what they're going to do. They're going to get the ball down a little bit, get comfortable. They get their 12 yards. They kick their field goal. And they win the game 31-28. Um, Kansas State, I mean, you look at what this team did without Malik Knowles for most of the game. Of course, he got hurt. Not sure still what the injury was. Uh, Will Howard in a, the biggest game of his life. And this is why I like TCU, because I just said to myself, I'm taking the more veteran quarterback who's played in more games, who's been in this kind of a spot. I, but Will Howard said not so fast. Will Howard 
The stat line doesn't knock your socks off. 18 of 32, couple hundred yards, two touchdowns. But man, without Malik Knowles, uh, Deuce Vaughn, by the way, <laughs> unbelievable what he did. Running the ball, 26 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He had a couple of big catches as well. But what Will Howard did without one of his top targets against one of the best defenses in the Big 12 should not be overlooked. This guy, the game has clearly slowed down for him. We had Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat on the podcast this week and talked about this. And uh, the progress that Will Howard has made is unlike anything I've seen in recent memory for a quarterback in the Big 12. I didn't think Will Howard was a guy who could ever lead Kansas State to bowl eligibility. Never mind winning a Big 12 championship. And that's exactly what he did on Saturday in the biggest game of his life on the biggest stage he's ever been on with millions of people watching in front of 70,000 strong at Jury World. Will Howard, the moment was not too big for Will Howard. And, you know, that's going to be probably overlooked. It won't be overlooked, of course, by K-State fans. But because of Max Duggan's performance and Max Duggan being in the Heisman conversation, um, it will get generally overlooked. It should not get overlooked. And uh, that's something that, you know, we're going to be talking about. K-State fans are going to be talking about for a long time. What an absolute monster of a game. Looking at some of your comments right now on Facebook Live. Uh, Mark says, Pete, before those plays started in overtime from TCU, I said it would be a quarterback run. I was shocked to be wrong each time. I know. I mean, you should be, should have been shocked. Jeez. I was shocked. Everybody in the stadium was shocked. But Kansas State's defense, to a credit, held up against one of the best running backs in uh, the Big 12. Hands down, no doubt about it. Now, the big question, and we'll end the show on, on this. The big question is TCU in the college football playoff. I don't see how they're not. USC lost on Friday. They have two losses. They're out. Ohio State, I hate to say it, is probably in. So you've got Georgia and Michigan who are locks, probably. You have then uh, a conversation of TCU, Ohio State, and Alabama. You want to put Ohio State in? Fine. TCU should be in the college football playoff. There's no doubt about it. You cannot make the case to me here on heartlandcollegesports.com. I know we cover the Big 12. And by the way, for those of you just joining us, I'm Pete Mundo. I know we cover the Big 12. But you've got to look at this honestly and say, how are you possibly putting in a two-loss Alabama team that was sitting on the couch this weekend in over a TCU team that lost one game to a top 10 team in overtime on a field goal at a neutral site. You can't do it. You can't make the case. Now, TCU fans are probably nervous because they got hosed back in 2014. On the last game of the season, they win 55-3 to over Iowa State, and they end up falling from number three to number six because, well, the Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game, we were told, by the College Football Playoff Committee. Nonsense. So I get why TCU fans right now might be on the edge of their seats worrying and wondering what exactly happens here going forward. But the resumes, it's not even debatable to me. TCU came into this weekend with the number one strength of record in the country, 
with a strength of schedule that was better, by the way, than Michigan and Georgia, that was basically tied with Ohio State, Ohio State 35, TCU 36, um, and was playing the only the only top 10 conference championship game that was happening this weekend was in the Big 12 between Kansas State and TCU. So losing a top 10 game in a conference championship game when you were undefeated coming into it to a team that you'd already beat by double digits, I, that's a top four team. In fact, I still think it's the number three team in the country. I think the top four should be Georgia at one, assuming Georgia and Michigan win. Georgia at one, Michigan at two. And even if Michigan loses, if it's a close game, Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, Ohio State four. I don't think Ohio State should get the three spot when they sat on the couch this weekend and TCU lost by a field goal in overtime to a top 10 team at a neutral site. There's no way that you can reward Ohio State for that. I just don't think you can do that. If the college football playoff committee wants to be honest about conference championships mattering, and they should because they told us eight years ago during the first year of this playoff, this ridiculously biased playoff process, that that stuff did matter, then to me it's not close. And let's be honest, this is not even a conversation. If the logo on the side of the helmet is Texas or Oklahoma, it's not even a conversation as to whether or not TCU gets into the college football playoff. It's not. It's not close, and everybody being honest knows that. But because it's TCU, because it's not a brand, brand air quotes, suddenly we've got to have this ridiculous conversation that's not even worth having. If USC had won on Friday night, then maybe you say, okay, Georgia, Michigan, USC, TCU. Then it's a TCU-Ohio State conversation. And to me, TCU still should be in over Ohio State, who got boat raced on its home turf by Michigan two weeks ago. But right now, uh, I mean, you're going to really have a conversation between TCU and Alabama? Are you kidding me? You might say, well, Alabama's two games away from being undefeated. Yeah, and they're also two games away from being eight and four. So it's a dumb conversation to have. The like of the, you know, they both beat Texas. They do have a like minded opponent, or they do have a, you know, obviously an opponent they both played in Texas. But, you know, Alabama beat Texas on the road and barely won that game after Quinn Ewers had gone out and they were trailing. TCU held Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense to three points three weeks ago. It's not close. And by the way, both games were at Texas. It's not like TCU's game was at home. So I don't even see how this is a conversation. It should not be a conversation. The fact that anybody's trying to make it a conversation is a joke in national media, but that's what they do. Do you know how many wet dreams there would be around ESPN and ABC and Disney if they actually get Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. I mean, it literally is a wet dream for Disney executives. But if the college football playoff committee is truly a somewhat, and I'm not going to say an honest and integrity-driven committee because I don't believe it is, but if it is somewhat an honest and integrity-driven committee, then TCU will be in. There's no doubt in my mind they will and they should be in, if that's the case. If not, if TCU is not in the college football playoff come Saturday, burn the whole thing down. I mean, seriously. We're all wasting our time at this point. It's not an honest operation. 
It has zero integrity and uh, there is no explanation or basis for any of the decisions that they made and the consistent consistency would be absolutely eliminated if TCU is not in. So we'll see. We'll be watching uh, on Facebook Live. Jared writes, I believe TCU is going to be in the playoff when I see it tomorrow. I don't trust the committee one bit. I'm fully expecting them to pull something out of their backsides and put Bama in. If that happens, you will have an epic show tomorrow here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Instagram. But I don't think that's going to happen. I remain fairly confident that they just cannot finagle their way to putting Alabama in over TCU. They just can't do it. If that's the case, I mean, literally burn the whole thing down. Forget 2024, burn the whole thing down. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is how you join us here on the show. We're on Facebook Live, on YouTube. Hey, subscribe on YouTube. We've got a ton more content coming your way there. Instagram Live, thank you for joining us. And, of course, um, on the podcast, leave a rating and review on the podcast, and you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I'm flashing one right now as I cheers to K-State fans on Facebook Live and YouTube. Um, having, having a drink to you guys. So enjoy it. Have a great day. And we'll be back with you on our reaction to the college football playoff rankings coming up on Sunday. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day. Take care.